Welcome to the Granta Podcast. I'm Yuka Garashi, and today I'm joined by Adam Thurwell. Adam Thurwell was one of Granta's best young novelists in 2003, and he appears as well in our new 2013 list. We discussed the progression in his writing career over the last 10 years, from his first novel, Politics, to the novel he is currently working on. We also talk about the TV show Breaking Bad, about inappropriateness, sex, and tempo in novels, and how these relate to each other, and about his recent projects focusing on translation. Congratulations on being um, a Best of Young. How does it feel Thank to be a, a two-time champion? A two-timer. Um, um, it's very nice. It feels like, well, I suppose each time it feels like a, a shock and a, and a very nice surprise. And um, I suppose the being on it twice is, it would have been, I suppose in retrospect, I hadn't really thought about it, but I suppose it would have been a bit sad to have been judged to have got worse <laughs> in the last 10 years. So I right. suppose at least we can say I've, I've not got worse. Right. It's, um. it's, it's a good vindication <laughs> that, that you're progressing in the right direction. Just about. Um, I thought that one of the things we could concentrate on in this um, podcast was to talk about sort of your progression from the 2003 Adam Thorwell to sort of the 2013 incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, I thought we'd start at the beginning in 2003. So you were chosen um, as a Best of Young novelist before Politics came out. Yeah, so the, the manuscript was submitted. So they, it was bought, it must have been in October, November of the year before, so it must have been 2002, mm-hmm. and then was immediately submitted. Um, so yeah, so then so that was what... Um, so it then took about, I don't think it came out to about August 2003, so there was a, a long hiatus where I wasn't allowed to do anything, so I was kind of slightly <laughs> trapped. <laughs> and um, so this first book, Politics, that you wrote, um, it's called Politics, but it's, it's about a threesome, among other things. Not at all a contradiction. <laughs> well, I think, well, one of the things I wanted to ask you was that, you know, essentially it's about these three characters. It's not just about a threesome, it's about these three characters who sort of... You know, misunderstand each other in various ways and sort of complicated ways and it's obviously also a really deeply philosophical philosophical book about about relationships um but one of the contingents it makes is that um politics is not about history or about what happens to states but it also has to do with just how humans relate to each other um so yeah i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what draw drew you to this subject matter in the first place <coughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it was just, I suppose, what I'd been thinking about. I think it was partly, definitely, there was sort of a literary influence, you know, that there were writers that I liked, these essayistic novelists, um, like Kundera, but also kind of earlier ones, Robert Musil, people like that, who totally allowed themselves to talk around the subject, as it were, that they weren't just limited to the single narrative of the of the story. Mm-hmm. Um and I suppose even going further back, like kind of my deep down favourite novel, I think often is Tristram Shandy and kind of that kind of allowing your narrator to kind of suddenly leap around the subject was something I, I always found interesting. Um, and I think there was definitely a sort of, it was partly, I don't know if I still think this, but at the time I very much felt that the novel was this sort of, that there was a, an orthodoxy about how novels should be read and that a political novel was a good thing, that that was a kind of mark of seriousness, that there was a certain type of almost moralistic writing um, Mm -hmm. that I've always disliked. And so there was definitely a sort of young kid having fun, and I I kind of wanted to have it both ways. I always want to have it both ways. So at the same time, I wanted to be saying, 
this is in fact a deeply kind of almost flippant novel that's not mm. at all about this serious thing called politics that's actually inverting all the kind of hierarchies so that all the stories rather than going kind of that, that politics was seen as pu politics was purely used as a kind of another form of, of, of intimate story so it was kind of Hitler's sex life it wasn't Hitler the dictator and it was Stalin kind of you know on the telephone so the idea was to kind of it was really a history of private life I suppose of, 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 and the idea that really privacy or intimacy was all there really was at the same time I reckon there was a sort of philosophical idea of saying deep down if you want any form of political system then it's going to have to start with the minimum kind of possible and the minimum to me seemed to be three that seemed to be the sort <laughs> of you know as soon as you've got three people you've got a society two people is not a society but three people is right yeah, and there's this quote that you had um, about the book, which now I'm going to read to you, <laughs> um, which is which says, um, in this book, I'm not interested in anything so small as the history of the USSR. I'm not writing anything so limited, which I thought was really interesting, and I think it sort of says basically. Yeah, and I meant said. it seriously, and obviously it's both a joke and also serious that. Right. Um, it was based on some maybe quite old-fashioned idea at the heart of it, I think. Although it's quite a kind of, in some ways, an unorthodox book, or a kind of that certainly the technique of it is not normal. But there's a sort of old-fashioned. It, it believes in universals, you know. So the idea is that something as universal as love is a bigger thing than something as temporary as the history of the USSR. That's mm. the kind of sort of serious joke at, at the bottom of it. Right. Um, and I think. I would say, I mean, I mean, it's kind of interesting, I haven't really thought about this book for ages, but I do obviously get drawn to characters who try and make the best of things, as it were, that they're in slightly trapped situations and mm. then try and kind of make out that these are okay or that they're... And so I, th and I think deep down the thing that I'm, I'm definitely interested in is, is a sort of... is people who are utopian um, in different ways, that they're always trying to slightly improve on reality. Um, right. And I think that that was that was the deep kind of thematic connection for all the material for me was that these were whether it was about this kind of threesome in, in North London in two thousand and two or whatever, or much larger histories of Gramsci and, and, and Mussolini and whoever. That the idea was that, like kind of why is it that you're trying to improve on the world or kind of create the perfect society or that kind of utopian idea was definitely I can see it in all the books I've, I've written. Certainly. So, uh, so how is how does that manifest in in your second novel in the escape? Um, I think because in the escape, it's kind of and that, that was a again. I think there was a deliberate. I'd sort of so started uh, far younger than I should have done that I think I was quite liking the idea of. So the protagonist of the escape is, is very old, or not very old, but he's like in his seventies, and so the, I think that was quite a, a deliberately counterintuitive thing to do that. Um, I wanted to kind of leap outside what I sort of felt I was meant to then be writing about. Um, but he's very, but in the same way, he's actually quite similar to my kind of, you know, more youthful characters. In fact, I think he's one of the most, in one sense, youthful of all of them because he's utterly refusing anything to do with the normal rules of life, as it were. So either of kind of what constitutes maturity or what constitutes ageing, what constitutes, again, what constitutes kind of the serious mm. is for him a problem. And so, but so therefore he's kind of, the comedy of that book was this character who is trying to sort of almost 
so I think the, and the point of the title was that he was trying to escape not only the bounds of kind of ordinary life, but in a slightly metafictional way, he was trying to escape the kind of bounds of the novel or the narrator. Mm. Um, so so, so basically, I think he's utopian too. You know, he's trying to kind of exist in some place that can't exist. Um, right. And well, he, he also, t to me, I think, was trying to escape history as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that... It's interesting. I think those two books... I can see that there are similar that in both ways, in different ways, they're sort of trying to like eat up as much kind of world history as possible, and yet relate it to a very. Well, in some ways, to almost subsume it. Yeah, it exactly. Like, yeah. To sort of subsume it and then kind of invert it so that suddenly what's meant to be important just becomes backstory, and then so that kind of that kind of reversal of foreground and background or something like that. I think that's definitely very important to that novel. Do you feel like you're often writing? Um, let me see how to put this. Uh, are you often aware, or were you aware at the time that you were writing these two novels, of of what you were supposed to write? Because that was something that you said in both in both cases. You're like, oh, I was supposed to write about politics, or I was supposed to write these youthful characters, and I, mm. you know, I wanted to. No, because I mean, well, yes, no. I mean, I think probably more than no, in the sense that you only write what you want to write. You know, but but, but I also think I do have a kind of glee in trying to there's a way in which the more you become yourself then the more you know that there is that, that, that you might not be agreeing with the kind of normal reader or the normal kind of that I think it's important to be trying to do things new basically so yeah. um, so I don't think so no it's, it doesn't come that you're sitting there trying to work out what will kind of be different but I think certainly if it's working it might well end up being different um, maybe you're sort of Impulse as a writer is similar to what you've given your characters because you said that your characters are trying to improve or, or to yeah, do something I'm, things I'm, I'm that are difficult. To, I'm, I'm <laughs> hopelessly uh, naive. I don't know. There's also something more kind of I think kind of naughty about it. I mean, like I, one of my favourite quotes of Roth is one of his essays where he talks about it might be one of the interviews. He says something about he's asked whether he imagines the kind of you know what what reader does he imagine and he just says this is a ridiculous question. Um, but I do sometimes imagine the anti-Roth reader, you know, who's hating this, and, and you know, and there's I th that kind of glee in just pure kind of individuality. I do quite like that. And I think it's in some ways probably healthier than than always being concerned with pleasing your audience or or delivering <laughs> delivering what you, what they what there's you think terrible, they would like. There's a terrible yeah. insult here. <laughs> what do you? Um, mean? I. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, but basically, I think when you're writing, you're not you're, you're not thinking about that at all. You're you're kind of lost in the material if it's working, and so most of it, I think, is you're much more trying to work out how you've got into this situation and then how you're going to get out of it, mm. kind of, but on a really minute level. I don't so wider thoughts about how it's going to be read, or I don't think that really. I mean, there's an reader in the sense of you have to construct it as a thing that is going to be read sequentially in one order, and so there's a reader in that sense of a kind of but those are kind of that's a technical thing about how are you going to regulate you know the flow of information how are you going to regulate the shocks kind of what surprises or the, so that's it's nothing to do with a real reader as it were it's that's a purely i don't know it's a reader constructed by the, the literal fact that this thing happens in one order mm. um and that's much more of a technical problem which i still definitely find that seems to me to be the real interest of writing for me is like kind of what works in certain terms of kind of what can you say what can you not say what what gives things away too quickly 
I still feel I haven't solved that at all. <laughs> right. So just just thinking about the reader's attention and the reader's sort of reception of the plot and, and sort yeah, of the exactly. I think that. I really hate plot. I wish plot. In my ideal novel would have absolutely no plot, and then as soon as I vaguely write something like that, I get into or read something, I get too bored as well. That there's a kind of. Mm. Um, but certainly, I, I think there's something about plot that really troubles me. Mm. Um, That's interesting because I feel like, well, we'll talk about this later, but I, I feel as if you're taking sort of a different approach to plot. In your in your later novels, or sort of in the one that you just uh, that's going to be in Granta, it seems it seems to me that it's yeah, it seems. But in what way? You can answer <laughs> your question. <laughs> well, I just feel like uh, I guess it is. It seems to me to, to be more more plot heavy, or to be less uh, to be less. What's the word? I guess skeptical of plot. I thought it was very suspenseful. Yeah, and I think this worries me intensely. Like, kind of, <laughs> and I think it's, it's interesting if we slightly skip ahead. Then, like, yeah. this story, it's, it's, I think it's going to end up as possibly the opening chapter of a novel. I'm still, I, I've been really unsure of it, um, but I kind of wrote it. And and, and what it is is it's basically the story of a, of a boy who wakes up, um, not in his kind of you know bedroom with his wife, but with with another girl next to him in some kind of motel room. And then things gradually escalate to to a worse and worse situation, and there I think there was some kind of thought I had. I was interested in like I'm always interested in problems of almost farce and kind of bad timing, mm. and yeah. and I think one of the things I was just interested there was thinking, what would it be like for someone where they do something slightly bad, but normally they would basically be able to get away with this, but in fact so many extra circumstances then kind of that happen that suddenly they're in now a kind of major crisis that's actually gone way beyond just whether right. you know the problem of having been unfaithful or something and so it was about again I suppose enjoying the idea of trapping a character and then I think what happened was that I did have a huge amount of fun writing it and in realising that each time I, I think it was interesting in writing it that each time my instinct would be to do some kind of flourish or move away or kind of some little spiral around the story mm. it just didn't work and so I had to stay mm. um, with this thing until it was kind of basically over um, and and that both was really it was really exciting I think to write because I'd never really done anything like I, right. like yeah it's true I don't tend to want to be so I don't know kind of organized by a plot sort of, kind of against my will like that um, mm -hmm. and at the same time I found it quite exciting because it was a, it was a, because precisely because it wasn't what I was used to um, but it's now proving a nightmare for kind of writing because there's all my instincts are sort of to resist it in some way and it's and it's interesting that I keep ending up keeping on kind of with this kind of almost deliberately minute plot so that it's almost as if it's a kind of micro plot that mm. it can only because it's so it's almost I think that's one thing that's interesting that a, a real plot if it happens in real life is going to suddenly take over your life and it's one of the things I think I slightly dislike in some of the TV serials actually that I still love where often so many traumatic events occur to characters and yet they kind of cope amazingly well right and are just dealing with that and then they're and then they're forgotten so that there are events that if like I mean like we both of us are admirers of Breaking Bad and it did occur to me, like, I was thinking, if you just take the wife character, like... She has a lot to process. Yeah, and that, <laughs> and that she's just being a normal human. But, right. like, if you've got a husband with kind of, you know, lung cancer, you've got 
Like there are just too many things. Like each individual yeah. thing would be the thing that would determine someone's life for years. But in fact, they have to kind of. But the speed of a serial is kind of is, is too quick, basically. And even Breaking Bad, I love because I think it's one of the slower ones that it does try and linger more on kind of. Well, actually, you can't just buy a gun, as it were. This takes time and effort, and and, um, and it's almost the thing that sort of connects. I think the way that you r write in this piece and Breaking Bad is just how clumsy everything is a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and that makes it have this sort of ultra-realism that it's yeah, actually... Yeah, and, and I think that was the thing that I found, the comedy for me, or the interest was, because often the interest for me is a comic interest, is, was, the, was the amateurishness that most of the time we're not in situations that we've been prepared for, or maybe actually I'd want to change that entirely around and say most of the time we are, because we keep deliberately in you know the kind of one room that we know about or the kind of and it's very unusual in fact yeah. for suddenly something to occur where we're not in control um but when it does occur then you you have no preparation and so i quite so th so in this scene i'd written yeah the, definitely i enjoyed the idea of this boy who considered himself an utterly sweet boy faced with the possibility that certainly to the outside world he looked now rather terrible and kind of how both he was going to process that himself internally but also just what he was going to do practically to get out of the situation yeah and the thing that's really also great about this book which i guess we've now completely skipped ahead <laughs> and now we're going to talk about this piece is that he's he's insists so often that he's you know basically a good person you know <laughs> that, that after a while you you start to sort of question that you're like well <laughs> like why do you have to insist so much that you're, you're yeah, a good yeah. person and so i would be playing with that idea sort of of this person who whose idea of himself is might be you know not in keeping with reality definitely and i think partly because i just think it's i mean i, mean, I think partly because i think that's normal i think most people you know it's very rare, I reckon, for people to do something so bad that it finally makes them think maybe genuinely I did something kind of, you know, like that was actually wrong and I kind of, you know, that that was part of my personality in some terrible way. I think those kind of moments are quite rare. Um, so there was that. But I think also there was a sense of that the inner and the outer, it was like, I think what I'm really interested in this is trying to find some way of exploring the difference between an inner and, out and an outer state as it were that mm. there was this bit and it's true that I, and this makes it sound much more abstract than it obviously is but there was this bit in Kierkegaard I was loving where he was talking about you would literally not know who the knight of faith was you know it might be kind of that tax collector over there it might be like you will never know right that the who the kind of and it's like that kind of I've always loved that Jewish myth of that they're all with the 36 kind of just men it's just no one ever knows who they are but they're there and so I kind of wanted this that this kind of problem of well why should an external so as it were cinematically if all you could see was the external of this scene it would look pretty dire for poor Edison Lowe yeah. and yet he's kind of trying to say well actually there are very many good reasons for why this is happening and not all of them are bad and kind of so I don't know I think so at the moment I'm, I'm prepared to buy his line that he is quite or I think people who think they're good also they're terribly corrupting my idea is that this is a very corrupting narrator that's what I wanted to create is sort of hopefully if it works this book it will create this little machine where you, the reader like you enter this kind of dark room and emerge suddenly like kind of slightly corrupted <laughs> that's my that's my aim is to corrupt my reader with this book well I, it's also one of the things about this book is that I think it's one of the first times you're using first person in this way 
um, in your earlier it's the, novels. It's always been me, yeah. Yeah, it's always this been This is you. also why I felt such a... I don't like it. I don't like that I can't egotistically butt in and um, comment. And, um, yeah, and, that, and that's... But I've actually really enjoyed... That. That's another thing that kind of... So definitely this does feel like a slightly different type of novel uh, to, what, to what I did before, certainly. I do think that there is kind of... Um, a line between your novella, Kapow, and what you're doing now. Um, they're both about people sort of who are thrust into, sort of ordinary people thrust into extraordinary circumstances. There's, you know, a certain level of uh, concerns with similar territory. So I do feel like you've been working towards this in some ways. Do you feel like that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kapow is still written as me. The, right. the, the narrator is still... I mean, it's never me, but, you know, this kind of fake first person that I've had a lot of fun with in the last decade. <laughs> um, definitely... A I little can, bit more outward-looking, though. Yeah, I can see that... I think the first two were very much basically about sex lies, as it were. Yeah. And the Kapow... I mean, I suppose... In, I don't know, it's difficult to think about this as if I'm kind of a reader. I'm trying <laughs> to think. Like, kind of, there is a way in which you could argue it's kind of politics the other way around, where kind of... It still seems to me quite... I think the impulse is still slightly deliberately flippant in that it's taking... You know, Kapow is set roughly in Cairo, although it's never named, roughly in the kind of kind of the events of the Arab Spring, or the early events of the Arab Spring. Um, and then again, deliberately, the main plots, though, are not really political, but are amatory in some way. They're kind of, you know, there's something to do with... Sort of, sort of, Sex lies in some way, but but in a, it's true. But but politics does play. It's taken more seriously, certainly, um, both by the narrator. Um, it's true that I could see a line because I think the narrator of that, and that, which is obviously me, gives a break. But I was exploring the idea that what if I were to try and think maybe this idea I had of novel writing is could I somehow rough it up a bit? I think that was what I'm not sure I did it in Kapow, but I think it's certainly something that I got to during the writing of that, that certainly towards the end, I think the narrator there is kind of saying, I think the narrator is saying he wants to become a filmmaker, which I'm not quite sure, but like, there is this idea of, that I had a very set idea of how a novel should work and what the kind of lineage of the novel was, which I think I still basically believe in, but I'm now more interested in just at least trying to fracture that or attack that a bit. Yeah, it seems to me that you, you had this idea in Kapow of of how, you know, the novels or this, a story is never just the story itself, but sort of everything surrounding yeah. it. And that's also why it's got the interesting design that it has of all these different sort of side narratives exploding in, out of the page. and sideways. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is what I've always had a problem with in novels is, is sort of how small they are, as it were. That like, And I think part of the problem is that my brain doesn't seem to work very well in a, in a kind of... I'm much more interested in trying to work out all the vet, like there can never be one cause for one thing and it then seems to me to be a problem if you're trying to pretend that there is. So I certainly, I kind of, I find novels which are a plot deeply unsatisfying, certainly to both to read and and, and I don't really try and write them, but kind of, um, and I definitely think that that idea of the kind of, but then partly what I wanted with this story that's in the new issue was the idea of 
at least that for a while, if if events were so overridingly kind of urgent, then some of the other stories around it would have to be slightly curtailed. Although even here, you see, I wanted little glimpses. Like I quite liked the kind of the waitress. There's a waitress in this, um, which, and I always like the idea of that. There's this extra world, like just slightly unavailable, out of reach, or right. so. He gets this poor instance, this almost a window onto a more normal world that he kind of once belonged to half an hour earlier. Um, so even there, I'm trying to still even there open it out slightly. But yeah, I think trying to work out different ways of presenting. Yeah, I, I think the certainly the old way of doing a novel of, of here are your characters and here is this and it proceeds scene by scene. That doesn't interest me very much. It seems also like that even though you're not you're no longer doing the sort of visual representation of 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 it there's there's a still in this new work an attention actually a focus on attention or just like what sort of gets your attention and the thing that's also really interesting about the new work is that the um the main character Edison is is having this horrible thing happen to him but he's also thinking about the most ordinary things or he's He's having these completely random thoughts, and I thought that was also really well done in Kapow when there's, you know, when there's a character who's, who's like, yeah, and then you know, I had this memory of her, but this memory of her also included a pigeon in the background, and that's exactly I feel very realistic, and that's exactly how attention really works. And so I wonder if you, if mm. you're sort of conscious about about the idea of people's attention and people's divided attentions. Definitely, I think that's a subject that really interests me of both how wide they can be and also how inappropriate they can be you know, <laughs> that, that kind of, we're very rarely thinking the right thing um, and it seems to me that that happens so much and it's almost such a known fact of life that everyone ignores it but it seems to me a kind of like, and it, maybe it troubles me in some way definitely that you know that you know you might be really needing the loo while you're having a very important conversation or I don't know, just that I think the de certainly I'm always amazed by kind of almost the depths of other people's lives. You know, that it, I, I think there's something very infantile about me that that kind of that one of the things I think I find interesting about novel writing is precisely the kind of forcing. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure in real life I'm a deeply unempathetic person, and that kind of there's a way of thinking that is purely novelistic that is about realising that every other character will have a kind of giant novel that could be written about them, even the most small kind of... And that I find that kind of problem of major minor characters, as it were, another kind of interesting technical thing. Like So Alejandro Zambra, this writer I like, who is in the Best Young Spanish novelist, um, has just written a very good novel, Ways of Going Home, which I've been writing about, where... And he actually has one of the, it's like he has, as kind of thematic, is this problem of what's a secondary character and what's not. You know, at what point you suddenly discover that you, in fact, were only a secondary character when you thought you were the major character in a story. And, and I think he's discovered a very nice way in this very short novel of kind of showing that. And those, that seems to be a really interesting area, certainly. I've now completely lost my train of thought, <laughs> which is um, entirely appropriate. Attention, yes. Yeah, we were talking about attention, um, so that actually makes, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, those thought processes. And it's interesting to me, because I think in many ways the earlier novels were the thought process of the writer, as it were, almost. Or, But it was never that metafictional. I think I was interested in sort of creating a slightly more gruesome area where it was both me and not me. And so it was both... It wasn't some kind of high modernist or postmodernist. This is the figure of the writer who is writing the story. It, wasn't, it was always something slightly more... 
intimate than that. And I think that kind of intimacy is something I'm really interested in, of kind of an, an embarrassment almost, at how you can slightly create this area with fiction where it's slightly uncomfortable and not that nice, where there's a way in which you're saying things which... I certainly have a problem with often with public readings, like often because deliberately I'm trying to explore something in, in the narrative voice which evidently is inappropriate um, and which is fine, and that it, it kind of works within this kind of abstract space of, of, of reading. But as soon as suddenly you're live in front of people kind of saying these things, I can get incredibly <laughs> tense. Um, What's an example? Has that ever happened where you're reading something and oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's an example from ages ago actually with politics, yeah. going back to the beginning where the narrator that who is I think possibly my not maybe not but what certainly has a an exuberance to this narrator and, and there's a kind of it's describing what an early sex scene in the book and kind of and then says something about how the next thing that's about to happen is going to be a blowjob and you know and, and then kind of out kind of suddenly kind of st steps outside the frame and starts talking to the reader saying you know you might think this is a good thing or a bad thing personally I think it's a great thing you know I'm, I'm rarely averse to a blowjob and I thought this was a very <laughs> funny line and then I'd kind of agreed to do some reading and I'd just kind of chosen, had completely forgotten about this passage and suddenly when you're reading that to like 150 people and everyone is just thinking this is literally you, it's, so I don't, I think, I, there's a problem with the reading I think for the way I write because it kind of totally breaks down the game slightly um, and I'm sure that was partly why I was interested in then thinking is it different if it's now a first person narrator who is technically a character as it were rather than um, the writer. I was wondering if there's a reason why you wanted to make him Chinese. Kind of a random question, but in, I, I, again, I think that you know, in Kapow, you're sort of inhabiting as a storyteller this other uh, this taxi driver who's obviously not you know a Jewish British Londoner. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder if that's sort of a, a way to help you to distance yourself in some ways in this, in this sort of new. Yeah. So he's. Life. I mean, it's true. I think. I partly do. I don't know why I kind of it, it kind of just felt right. I just was having fun with it. I mean, it must be just because lots of my friends are British Chinese or so, you know, so it's not or not lots, but like kind of certainly, it's not like it's that strange. You know, I went to a school where certainly white Protestants were the absolute minority. You know, like it was it was Chinese and Jewish and, and Hindu and, and like kind of that was the so that was kind of where I grew up. And so partly I think. It probably was more of a process of I wanted to write about the suburbs actually, which is where I grew up, like the proper way out North London suburbs. Um, so that was partly, and then so there was that 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 made me think a lot more about kind of, I think kind of people I'd known at school and kind of so that there was also it was probably a way of kind of not being me but well being me because in a sense I think there's a huge similarity between British Chinese and British Jewish in that kind of environment. Oh yeah, neurosis. So the neurosis <laughs> and the Kind of overbearing parents exactly <laughs> you know so there, there, a lot of it wasn't <laughs> it was quite an easy it felt to me like a kind of a way of both have, forcing myself to try and kind of think slightly differently um, but without it actually I think in many ways it's hardly a leap at all um, and I think I am interested in I think I get bored by provenance as well um, this idea that in some way you should only write about you know the, the place you brought up you were in or the, the kind of family you grew up in. To sort of um, represent a certain type of... Yeah, so, and it turns fiction into kind of sociology as if it, it was sort of veiled memoir all the time and I think that bores me and I think often I'm much... So in this, with this character, I think I wanted someone who was deeply obsessed both by the idea of what their family would want 
and at the same time it was wanting some kind of independence and kind of um, and that was more important to me than actually, as it were, like, is this a faithful representation of British Chinese experience? Certainly, that's, you know. I think, I mean, one of the things I, I thought when I was reading it was that it was, it, it sort of was incredibly representative of how I felt a lot of, at least Asian American experience was, so I was actually really well, that's sort good. of impressed. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, so, because I think in the, what well, it's going to turn out, he's still living at home, so him and his wife are living at home with his parents in their kind of big house oh, in God. the suburbs, that's going to be the kind of... Um, and it's partly, I think, I, and I, I kind of wanted that for various reasons, and so maybe there was a kind of way in which I thought that was slightly more likely with British Chinese than British Jewish, like kind of. Um, but yeah, I think it's more just the thoughts of I think fiction should be allowed to do what it what it likes. You know, obviously there are boundaries. I mean, the other thing I find interesting is, on the one hand, I did want this to be a kind of description of sort of suburban life in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think this has less... I think previously I've, I've used a lot of quite realist markers as well, like brand names and kind of place names, and this was deliberately, or maybe not deliberately, like I kind of felt unconsciously deliberately, was kept slightly bearer. Well, thank you so much for talking, and um, thank you. congratulations for your two-time win. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> All right.